hey man, pause, lean in for just a moment. You might you might catch something here. People will latch on to a, a convenient lie and write it all the way to their own demise. If your institutions of power have been hijacked by an antithetical worldview and you are dependent upon those institutions of power, you can also be enslaved. This relationship with our children, the education of our children, it doesn't belong to the government, it doesn't belong to society, it doesn't belong to anything else they use. Now that belongs to us. I'm not gonna bow down to that ridiculous tyranny. Freeze my bank accounts, shut me down, do whatever you want of like, I can still eat and now I don't have to choose between a principled stand and feeding my family. Today we have a special episode because we're, we're bringing back to the show John Lovell, but uh, we, we decided that, look, we, we had our last conversation with John and it was fine. It was okay, right? You know, it was, it was, it was pretty good. But just like all of my audience tells me, when Tina's not here, the show's just, just not as good. And so John has, has brought on his significant other, uh, Becca Lovell. And um, so now, now we will finally get the interview that, that we know our audience truly deserves. So John, Becca, thank you for, for being with us today. And um, I'm going to jump right into it. Like, Becca, why did you marry this guy? Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and steal his thunder. It was a pity Mary, you know? Um, oh, oh, it's so, like that. Imme- immediately fought, yeah. uh, immediately shots fired. Yeah. This is- yeah. So he's used that line a lot and I stole it first because you asked me. Thank you, Nick. You're welcome. So yeah, it was really just a matter of pity. And, uh, but things have really looked up wow. since then. Thanks. So. You've really, he's really come along. No. You've really, you know, developed him. You know? Well, they say to buy low and... Sell high. It will appreciate. It's a good asset to appreciate. I'm glad you three are enjoying this. It's a blast. I actually got to go. I had another appointment. uh, Doing anything else? (laughs) Well, where where did you guys? Where where did you? Because I I always I always joke around this when people ask Tina and I like, how did you guys meet? I, I always say that I could I could take you back. To the cl- we went to a really, really small Christian school, which was critical. It's the only way a guy that looks like me lands someone that looks like her, is that if it's like very few options for her. And I, but I can take you back to the classroom when she first walked in the door, and I remember looking at her and going, Wow, that's never gonna happen. Oh, <laughs> so, like, that's awesome. what, what was what was what was your guys' moment? Hmm. Yeah, so we met in college as well. Um, I was dating someone else for a long time. Uh, John sweeps in, fresh out of the military, uh, becomes friends with this boyfriend of mine. Slowly, this guy and I break up, which later I realized John helped him uh, break up with me. There's more to the story. That's Do not the judge story me gets early. Long. The story gets long, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he claims he had uh, no real part in it, but yeah. So over the course of a year, year and a half, we uh, were just apathetic towards each other. Same group of friends, but not yeah. interested. And then one day had a real conversation with each other for the first time. And it was kind of like a light switch, we say. Really? So, and then a whirlwind of uh, dating about five months. Uh, and then he proposed... I remember the first time I ever saw you. Do you remember mm-hmm. seeing me? Mm-hmm. Were you like, holy cow, look at that drink of water right there. I got to get I got to get me some level. What were you? Uh... No, let's ask you. It was at church. Yeah, first, I was at we church. Saw each other. But I yeah. was yeah. good way to meet people. Yeah, I was more interested in 
developing good do uh, a good group of dudes and to be able to find a good church and so that was like priority one for me yeah uh when i moved into the college town we didn't go to a christian school it was a kind of a party school and so i was immediately looking for that i remember she was pretty uh, and then i immediately kind of moved on past i was looking for a bride I, I did want to get married but she was she was taken i'm like oh, what do you do and then yeah. you move on and then Later, we had all kinds of preconceived notions about the other one. I thought she was super pretty, and I was thinking on the hot, crazy matrix. She was <laughs> she was too hot wow. to not be just a diva, you know, train wreck yeah. of a gal, you know. And so uh, the struggle's I moved real, on. man. Well, you, you know what they say: if if they're hot and they're not crazy, it's a dude. Isn't that what they say? That's, That's what? the crazy hot matrix, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's funny that, to right? say it's not actual. <laughs> no, it's not really. No, no, dude, no Dylan Mulvin. Yeah, yeah. Mulvaney. No, no. Yeah, uh, no Bud Light. Uh -uh. Yeah. It's a negative four right there. <laughs> not not fooling anyone actually. Yeah. But uh. <laughs> so you you guys met in college. You dated for five months and decided to get married. Now you guys also spent a, a like you spent some time abroad, right, in the mission field. Hmm. We did. Uh, we were married quick once we realized. I, I think our engagement was two months long. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Got well, hitched. Too. That's smart. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a year and a half engagement. I right? think yeah. long engagements are really stupid. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and for those folks who are listening in, a small diatribe, because it's not your question and this is your show, uh, Nick. But <laughs> let me save you all a bunch of heartache. You're just white knuckling, holding on, trying to... <laughs> You know, uh, do the right thing. <laughs> get get married while doing the right thing, and then, dudes, that's tough, right? Can I get a witness? And girls, they're subconsciously thinking, when I get married, it'll be like this. And if they can kind of la la land, imagine marriage for a year, they build up an expectation that cannot possibly be met, and the the bill on the wedding is going to be wildly high, and that's setting <laughs> uh, weird expectations as well. I'm like, hey, you want to get married or not? If you want to get married, get married. Why? You don't need a year yeah. to get married. If you mean it, get married. And uh, if you don't, well, then don't. But a year, really? <laughs> I think that's foolish. I think it's stupid. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. No, I, I remember I called, I called up Tina when I was in the 82nd. And um, I, I, I called her up on the phone. I was like, Hey, do you want to, like, I, I had this whole elaborate thing where I, I like called into a radio show that we used to listen to when we were in high school together. Cause she was in Chico, California. And I was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I, and, uh, I called in this radio show and I was supposed to, I was supposed to call in and ask her to marry me over the radio Whoa. and the time difference. And I was going through the expert infantryman's badge <laughs> like training yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So I was exhausted, fell asleep and in meantime, slip. and mean, meanwhile, I'm at the house. My parents have the radio out. I'm like, we never listen to the radio. Why are you guys, why is the radio out? Why are we listening to this? I'm going to bed. I'm just going to bed. Yeah. So That's I had to call her up awesome. the next morning, tell her I was a moron and, and ask her to marry me. And, and she said yes. And then here was the beautiful part about being in Bragg when she was out in California is I just showed up, got off the plane, walked down the aisle, got married. I didn't. I was a part of zero part of the planning for well, the wedding. It was six weeks worth <laughs> of planning. Nice. It was only six. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're right there yeah. with you with the short engagement. Oh yeah. So you guys. Yeah. So you guys pack up. So we were you like fairly newlyweds when you guys went into the mission About field. About three or? years. 
So yeah. we had gotten established, had a house, had jobs, had cars. Start, and, uh, started a business. Yeah. Was uh, sh- Yeah. You finished up your degree, mm-hmm. and I was still working on mine. I was trying to support a household and had a whole bunch of responsibilities. And so I shifted down to like halftime for college for a little bit and then yeah. went full-time. But I was always working full-time. And then we moved and, uh, yeah, worked for a few years before we thought, hey, we should do some missions work. We always mm-hmm. wanted to do that, mm-hmm. where we do something more extensive, not like a weekend, but like, yeah. let's spend a year doing something awesome. So what did extensive end up being? It, it, uh, well, four years. Yeah, it was four years. <laughs> yeah. It was four years. Was this before kids or? Started before kids, and then they were both born there. Wow. Yeah, so our kids yeah. were born abroad yeah. on the mission field. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where did you guys so. go? Costa Rica. Yeah. So San Jose, immediately when people think like tropical beaches, no, 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 no. No. We were inner, disgusting, impoverished city. That was not our, and and we were so broke, we really couldn't go out to the, like every, every couple months we kind of do, do like a hostile trip on the cheap to the beach. And, uh, Sleep in places we would never mm-hmm. dream of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some rough times. Good you know, character worst, building. Worst one ever was, what was the, the worst place we ever Jaguar. Seen? The Jaguar, the and I was going to say yeah. Panama so, that night yeah. where we had no, no place. No place, and we sleep. ended up staying. Yeah, it was yeah. an island, oh, and wow. all the hotels were out. And uh, so we ended up staying. At the, our taxi driver knew a lady who might have a spare room, <laughs> and it was like a utility closet. With like five planks to make a mattress. <laughs> and so you'd shift and your elbow would shoot through. Yeah. And then you shift again and your butt would push through the slats and the mattress. There was no mattress. It there, was cardboard. Yeah. But that was very nice of them. They didn't have to give us anywhere to sleep. Yeah. 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 You we guys are straight up no room at the end. Out we were. <laughs> yeah, we were. And I was pregnant with our first child. But, <laughs> oh, wow. It yeah. was literally a no room in the end. It was, was meaningful work. It was yeah. wonderful. How do you guys feel like that um, affected how you sort of how you approach uh, sort of the luxuries that we have, you know, here in the U.S. and, and things like that? Yeah. Did it shift your perspective on what was needed and what was what what's a want and what's a need or how you approach things? Sure. So, yeah, we split, we spent every dime we had on the mission field uh, for those years there. We weren't very good at fundraising. I felt like we were good at uh, teaching and shepherding and doing all, all the Christian ministry things. And it was really, it was very hard work, but it was really rewarding. So we really loved life, uh, even amidst yeah, it was a good um, living. Remember, we called, mm-hmm. we named our first home the Shire. It's when we could finally move out. We were living with students before, and that was awful yeah. uh, living wise for a, a young married couple. Finally moved in, and I think it was 500 square feet. Uh-huh. Uh, we had to hang dry our laundry. <laughs> Wow. One time the washer dryer broke and we did laundry in a bucket for a month or yeah. so. I mean, we yeah. have we <laughs> cut so our grass with a machete. I mean, we have done some crazy stuff. Well, we uh, would come back to the States uh, and we would furlough and uh, whatnot. But I remember all the roads just seemed to be just such smooth glass and everyone lived in a castle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everyone lived in mansions. And I'm like, look at this, baby. Everyone is a little king. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't doing it like sneeringly. It's just, man, if you travel enough, you realize how wildly wealthy we are compared to the rest of the world. I just turned 35 countries. I've been to 35 different countries. 
And every time I travel, when I come back, I'm like, we are crazy wealthy. Yeah. Or even the folks we would call really impoverished. Uh, you know, they, they all have new tech iPhones, big screen TVs satellite and TV. satellites yeah. in their yards and nice cars. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't know poor yeah. until you travel the world. And so um, I don't know. We, we didn't really get a foothold for us to fall in love with money. And so it's made it easier mm-hmm. uh, having that foundation to be a little bit more generous and to live below our means. I, I think it, it's okay. fascinating. I mean, when we were married, we, we never lived abroad. Um, my mom took me on, on mission. The longest mission trip we ever went on was a, a few months uh, with, mm-hmm. with YWAM. But I, I did get to see what, what real poverty looked like before I, I went into the military. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, when people talk about being poor in the United States and it's not to make light of the fact that people are in difficult circumstances, but right. it, it is a completely different concept when you're mm-hmm. in a place where, where poverty means subsistence living and you could potentially starve to death if your 12 year old isn't working. Mm-hmm. And, um, but when we got married, we, we were both young. I was uh, I was nineteen. Uh, Tina was twenty. I love to point that out. Yeah, we got married out of high school, not college. <laughs> yeah, we got married. We got married right out of high school, and um, and it was funny. I had a friend of mine once uh, look back, and he goes, "Yeah, he goes, I, I wanted to wait to get married because I saw how financially difficult it was for for you and Tina," and I looked at him like, "Dude, you're nuts! Like, I'd never yeah. trade. I would never trade that yeah. time when when it was oh crap." We don't, we don't have power and it's not because the storm knocked it out. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's because, because the power company wants to get paid now. You know, yeah. <laughs> we chose water this greedy, month. Yeah. <laughs> those greedy capitalists <laughs> <laughs> want to get paid for the goods and services they provide. That's crazy. Ugh. But, um, but it, 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 I think for both of us now, cause we've had, you know, you go through those times at some point in your marriage where you, you know what it is to struggle. And then when, and, and we went from struggling to, Hey, doing, doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, Oh crap, the startup company I'm working for decided to close its doors and didn't tell me, mm. uh, right before they, they let everyone go. And it's like, Oh crud, here we are. And I remember, you know, Tina telling me like, babe, we know how to do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> cause you know, as a, as a, as a father and as a husband, you're like, man, my job's to provide. And we're, we're about to like, I don't got a guarantee of another job here for, you know, a, a few months and, and we're going to have to really make it work. And Tina's whole attitude was, babe, we, we've been in this situation before we know what to do. God's, God's got a plan. He's just not telling us what it is yet. <laughs> I think that period yeah. of time of, of struggling to make ends meet, I, I feel like that really it's good for a young relationship because I think later on you don't get so used to um, everything being just perfect and tidy and, and uh, comfortable. Mm. You, you, you know, that if it, if it did go back, you know, to uh, difficulty financially that you could do it, you could make it. And I, I don't know about you guys, but, Whenever, whenever things get hard, because things do get hard time, at times, whether it's financially or just going through trials or what, um, I always feel like as long as we're okay, uh, then mm-hmm. we can deal with this. And so, yeah, that's right. um, and it's, it's not very often that you meet other couples who have that same kind of mindset. Um, right. Like you were saying earlier, I think before we put the cameras on, uh, <laughs> that not a lot of people get this, not a lot of people mm-hmm. get to have this. And I, I wish for it for everybody, but it's so sad when you, I mean, even just when you're scrolling, you know, social media, you'll see people talking about marriage and how they bicker and how they're being passive aggressive and, and they're trying to put kids toys together before Christmas and they're fighting. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
it doesn't have to be that way. Um, so how do you guys feel about the condition of where, you know, where marriage has, has gone in our society and, and what's your answer to it? Like, what do you have to say to people that feel like marriage is all just bad? No way. I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so it's definitely devalued in our culture and in our society. And, you know, with the wave of feminism coming through again, I mean, I think the world wants women to not need men, not want to have children and just be career minded and accomplish. And it's your goals and it's all about you. And sometimes even for married women with kids, I think that can seep in as a deep poison. So, yeah, we have wanted to set a different standard and it's been hard but by god's grace over these 17 years i mean we've we've come a long way we'll be the first to tell you marriage was very hard for us at first the Mm -hmm. first few years yeah but um we had to change uh the way we're wired and the way uh the homes we were raised in uh we didn't have examples to look to for godly marriages and we kind of had to fight an uphill battle we can always tell you what not to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because we've been there but i'd say the the main thing is that we've kept christ at the center of our relationship we've never given up on each other we never talk trash about each other to friends or family we're always cheering each other on um and uh, we're best friends yeah, because we we've worked so hard for this for so long. <laughs> so, Ooh, right um, but it's been hard. You know, people may say, well, they're so lucky. You just married the right person. No, nope, it's that's uh, not, luck has dying to, to self it. every day yeah. and, and serving the other. That's, yes. that's, a, that's an interesting point when you, when you talk about that, because I, I have gotten so frustrated. When, whenever we, we have some medium form content that we do on YouTube and where we'll talk about, you know, marriage and family and, and raising daughters and raising sons and the whole deal. And it's amazing how many people will come on and be like, well, you're just lucky. Like, dude, I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. if you want to chalk everything up to luck, then you have, <laughs> it's no mystery why you're miserable. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, mm-hmm. Because if, if you don't take ownership uh, of your, your marriage and your life and, and, you said something that I thought was really important. It's that whole concept of, you know, with, with feminism and we're seeing this now on kind of like the, the, the red pill manosphere response to it, where it's, you know, no King, it's all about you and what you want and your goals and your objectives. It's like, man, my family is my objective, right? My faith is my objective. Like I'm not giving something up by doing this. Right. Yeah. The house and the car isn't the dream. She's the dream. Yeah. The kids are the dream. And unfortunately, most folks have to find themselves on a deathbed before they realize what was actually important the whole way along. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, that, that really sucks. I think feminism comes in uh, harbingers in uh, something that makes a healthy marriage impossible. If you're a good feminist, you're going to be miserably married. Absolutely. Uh, you, you just can't have a healthy marriage. Wow. Now, what you can do is uh, take an otherwise decent dude and over the years hammer him in to be the shadow of who he should be you'll lose all respect for him but you'll have a submissive little servant there for you and uh congratulations feminism uh once you conquer the man you won't want him anymore and uh it's it's really an axe to the root of important uh marital roles Mm. uh gender roles which are absolutely critical and feminism is a direct attack on the natural roles, which are actually there not to, you know, make you uh, re- 
uh, oppressed mm -hmm. or to bully you. It's actually there so that you can flourish, mm -hmm. so that you're doing and aligned in the way that you're actually designed. Yeah. And it is better. And the feminist lie is, is if you actually go uh, according to your roles, that you'll be miserable. And it is literally a lie from the pit of hell. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the kind of red pill, manosphere, tape bros movement, man, they wouldn't, they don't even know what they're missing. Mm -hmm. I try to explain this to them. You have no idea what a good marriage can be. And you certainly have no idea what leadership is. What you're doing is kind of like runaway little boy narcissism, uh, where everything is about you. And once you arrive on top of that mountain, if you make it, and most won't, yeah. uh, if you arrive there, you find it was completely a vain glory pursuit. Mm. Uh, and you've taken out your, the opportunity that you could have been happily ever after with a family mm. and a legacy. Mm. Yeah. You know, your Bugatti held no legacy <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to die rich and alone and miserable. <laughs> That's a great point, John. You know, it's also a good point that if you need to buy meat, and I know we all do, you need to go to GoodRanchers.com and use promo code Nick. Because once again, during the month of January, special deal. You sign up for one of the subscriptions, which is going to ensure that you have high-quality American-raised protein on your table. Plus, Good Ranchers is going to kick in an additional order of chicken to go with that. That's free chicken to go with your subscription, right? That's like, like for the whole year. It's like $180 value brought to you by Good Ranchers. Go GoodRanchers.com, promo code Nick, sign up for that subscription and get all of the best and finest American-raised beef, poultry, pork, and wild-caught seafood delivered to your door. GoodRanchers.com, promo code Nick. All right, John, let's get back to it. Wealth can come and go for us. But just like you said, Tina, like, hey, as long as this is good, I've been broke with her and we've been well off together. Either way is pretty good. We, yeah. we, we can we're, do it. We can yeah. do it, and it, mm. it's fine. Of the goal of our wealth, of our life isn't wealth. In fact, the more we get, the more we give away. Mm -hmm. uh, as a percentage, we're far uh, far more generous now than we ever were before. Mm -hmm. uh, and guess what? It'll happen if we get even more. We're just going to let it keep going through our hands, and that's the goal, uh, so that we can have money, and money won't have us. But it's just such a crappy life pursuit. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, our gender roles are really, really critical. And um, for men to actually know what it means to lead a, a family well and her to know what it means to be uh, a helper within that family as well. So we're a team moving forward together, but our roles are not the exact same. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, it, and it's amazing because I, when I when I look at the, you know, again, either the, the feminist worldview that's very predominant right now within our culture or, or again, the manosphere backlash, both of them seem to be, again, there's an element of narcissism, which, which underlies mm -hmm. both of them. And this idea that, that genuine freedom, in fact, uh, Lila Rose and I were talking about this. It, it's like modern feminism. The goal of modern feminism is for a woman to be the worst representation of the most licentious man you would ever meet. <laughs> That's sure. great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's, and it's, it, it doesn't make any sense because when we look at this anywhere else, whether we're talking about an organization or a sports team or, or anything, we, we always appreciate that people have roles within that element. And, and we respect the fact that when people find the, the role that they play and the duties and responsibilities within that role, they actually find meaning and purpose and not just for themselves, but as part of the unit or the organization or the team or whatever it is. And to treat marriage as if it's, well, that's just different. No, it isn't. And, 
And, and again, I, I think, and I'll have people, because we'll, we'll bring, when we try to explain this to people, we'll say, well, look, this is part of our biblical worldview. And they'll right. say, well, okay, well, I like what you have to say. And clearly you guys seem very happy and your kids seem well-adjusted and this seems to be working for you, but leave the religion out of it. I'm like, dude, I can't give you the worldview without the author of it, <laughs> right? Yeah, like I can't right. do that. That doesn't make any sense. Right. I, yeah. I'm going to give you a, a false expectation of what's really possible if you think you can you know, manage all of this apart from the, from the very entity that I believe makes it possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. I just saw a metaphor flash through my head when you were saying that. And if I could risk of like, you, you got a vehicle and it, it, the vehicle's running well. Mm-hmm. And they want to copy that exact same vehicle and they want everything except the engine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if like, you can copy it, but it's not taking you anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But the moment you remove like our faith, our, no, our faith is the engine. Mm-hmm. Everything else is really just cosmetics. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. there you yeah. go. You got a nice fender there. That's. Heated seats, pretty yeah. cool. They'll come and go. But man, the whole engine is the biblical worldview, which people scoffingly dismiss yeah. as if in their hubris, they, they uh, reason that they're so far advanced, so much more intellectual. And whereas they'll lean in and listen to guys like you and I, and even our spouses weigh in on different things and they'll learn a lot. The moment we have the audacity to say anything about faith. And I'm like, guys, this is not some, some superstition of the past that I've <laughs> yeah. unearthed yeah. Uh, because somebody's slipping me bills, you know, from our local congregation or yeah. something. I'm like, I have thought about this. I have done my research and, and this is, this is true truth. It re and it's working because it's true. Yeah. 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 yeah that's the, it, it's, it's, you can, you can get the superficial, you can get the superficial benefits of truth by by uh, uh, it, I'll, I'll use the car example to keep going with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta mention me. That's a TM thing. <laughs> and it's a little you, R circle. Yeah, John's John's metaphor yeah. thing. Go on. So, no. so to use so to use John's metaphor, you, you can you can drive the car without knowing how the car works. As far as like, you don't have to understand in the internal combustion engine to to drive the car. And you can drive it all, all day long, no problem. You get the benefit of it. And you can even deny the existence of the engine as you're getting the benefit of the engine. Hmm. All right, but, but when, when something breaks down or when something isn't working, all of a sudden, when it doesn't function the way that you expected it to, when there's, when there's an unforeseen problem that you have to deal with, all of a sudden now that becomes really important. And, and I feel like it, in the United States is, is an example of this, and I kind of want to use this to talk about the, the culture and, and kind of the two paths that our country is going down right now. I feel like we've gotten to a point where the car's been driving on fumes for, for quite a while now. Yeah. Mm. Um, it, it's, been, it's been driving off of, of traditions that people have attempted to, they, they've gotten rid of the foundation and they've just kept the superficial parts. Right. And now all of a sudden things are starting to break. Yeah. And they don't know why it's breaking and they don't know how to fix it. And they're offering a lot of solutions that don't make any sense. Well, it's, it's all about your sexual identity. It's all about your, your group identity. It's all about your political party that you belong to. It, it's all about all of these superficial things that they're trying to find group identity, meaning, purpose. And none of it's making the car go the way they want it to, to function anymore. Right. And, you know, it's it's we were talking about this a while back. I said, look, I've, I've, we've been through good times. We've been through bad times. We've never questioned our identity. We've never questioned our meaning. We've never questioned our purpose. 
Um, we don't expect everything to go the way that we want. We're not confused by injustice in the world. We, we actually expect that it's going to happen. And we also recognize our responsibility to address it. But yeah. we recognize all that because of our faith. That's correct. Yeah. And so as, as we look at the different, you know, cultural, again, what does society say about, you know, how to be a man, how to be a woman, how to, how to be a family, um, how to educate your kids um, versus, you know, the, the worldview, the, the, that we're subscribing to, which is a biblical worldview and has its own answers for these important questions. You talked about something and this kind of goes, this kind of goes a, a step further into the, the building, the community side of this. Cause I really want your guys' take on this at the first homesteaders of America conference where we first met, you were talking about, you got invited to talk about, Hey, how would you protect your homestead? And look, you're former army ranger. Like, you know what you're talking about in this realm. And you gave a talk. I mean, it was, I think it was the most packed uh, event that they had at that. And it was really interesting. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, not just the, the, the message of how to be, you know, a good man or protect your homestead or, or family, but this idea of the broader community. And I feel like that's something I, I know this, the more I talk to people in our audience, the more I am talking to people that are like-minded who feel isolated within their country, within their community. It's almost as if, um, it's almost as if the environment that they were used to is, is rejecting them and they're, they're kind of desperate and hungry to find community again. Um, right. whereas it used to be just something where they walked out the front door and they had it within their neighborhood or, or the job that they went to, or even the, the church they went to, they're not feeling that anymore. Uh, because the cultural conditions are so contrary to what we believe. As you guys have looked at your own you know, relationship and then looked beyond your own immediate family, how do you guys look for community? Um, I mean, it starts at the home, starts with you guys, starts with, starts with God, starts with you guys as husband and wife and then your kids. But how do you find that community outside of that as well? My greatest friends have always come from people I met at church. That's it. Of like, uh, even when I was in the military, you know who I really keep up with? The guys I went to church with in Washington State when I was in the military. Of like, it's the deepest connections uh, outside of my marriage I've ever formed. They are the greatest men and women on the planet. They have the healthiest marriages ever. Now, some folks that have no idea what I'm talking about, they'll immediately shirk off. And I understand this. I, I'm actually very sympathetic toward this. And they're like, oh, well, these guys get off church. I'm like, hey, man, pause, lean in for just a moment. You might, you might catch something here. Now, we're not fools here. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of dead churches out there. In fact, I think we probably drive by 10 or 15 of them on the way to our church. Mm -hmm. I'm in the South, so there's a dead church on every street corner. <laughs> I'm not talking about those. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about, you know, whatever swarmy, uh, manipulative pastor you've seen doing crazy stuff on TV. I'm not talking about the hurt, the, the place you got hurt when you were a kid. None of that. I'm saying there are vibrant living churches out there that uh, are worth moving for. They, they are, they're the greatest places because they have the greatest people on the planet. Uh, and all I'm saying is, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's probably because you've just never met one. You've never seen one of these. They're hard to find, but when you find them, holy smokes, it could be in your area. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, me and my wife, we met at church, my best friends. You know, uh, they're also family of faith. Mm -hmm. If we're doing boogaloo apocalypse stuff, <laughs> I'm not interested as much in uh, all the skill building stuff. I'm interested in those who have the same value and the same world 
or values in the same worldview. I start there. Uh, and then in that already much smaller group, you know, make sure you got folks of good va uh, values and, and character and courage. Uh, um, then I'm interested in skills, yeah. you know? And so you mentioned medical of like, I'm already thinking right now of guys who are guys and gals in our church that are, you know, doctors and nurses and paramedics. And I mean, they're flashing through my head and they're amazing, awesome people with those skills, you know, and Hey, they're local community. So I take them shooting. That's, yeah. that's my thing. I, I'm, I'm, train them. I'm the shooty, shooty, pow, pow guy, you know, so that, that's my role. I did that just to make use. <laughs> shooty, pow. Pow, pow, pow. Um, I would also say your homeschool, I mean, we homeschool. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. your school or your homeschool community, um, uh, most of the women in our group, we all go to different churches, but we're all like-minded. Mm. We're all of one mindset. We want the best for our kids. Um, our husbands are probably very like-minded and yeah, we do life together too. So yeah. whether it's birthday parties or events, we were just at a parade with everyone last night. And, um, and then with homesteading, we've made friends through the stockyard, just reaching out to people with, all right, how do we do this homestead thing? And we need a cow guy and we need a horse guy. And we need, yeah. <laughs> so you make friends there in your network too. And right. they typically turn out to be, um, people who also are focused on faith, family, and freedom as well. And yeah. You don't get to choose your neighbors. You know, here we're in the rural South, so neighbors is not what many people in suburbia <laughs> yeah. are thinking of. Neighbors yeah. are just inside of gunfire sound range, maybe, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. You got to so, drive to borrow a cup of sugar. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. yeah some of them, it, it, it's the Barrett 50 cal, yeah. you know, sound range. But, but anyway, you don't get to choose your neighbors, but uh, do whatever you can to meet them and meet them on whatever common ground and be nice to them. They are part of your network and you've inherited them mm -hmm. uh, geographically. And mm -hmm. so you need to meet, know your neighbors and uh, do the best you can with what you got. Uh, so that would be uh, something yeah. else, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's what, Where did you guys start with homesteading? Started with chickens. Yeah. So we're just uh, two and a half livestock. years into this. <laughs> yeah, chicken math, they're growing. Um, we're going on three years, but uh, then you wanted big animals. <clears throat> so we it went some to cows. cows, which I was terrified of, but they've been quite simple, actually. Well, I think we're free as Americans. Yeah. But free is like a, a baseline. Yeah. There's a graduation of freedom. And so the idea is I, I am free in a sense right now, but I could be more free. You could be more free um, in terms of uh, character, of like a, a free from addiction, free from wrongdoing. And so that's one sphere. You could be more financially free. Get out of debt, put some stuff away. You, you could be... Um, uh, free in terms of inputs so that I, I'm able to feed myself without depending on a grocery store. Yeah. Uh, and so the freer you can get, the less you need to plug into the matrix of if grocery stores emptied and gas stations uh, were all empty and, uh, you know, the power grid failed, me and her, we can keep going. We can survive. Yeah. And what you find in that level of freedom, you find somebody who is highly impervious to bullying, intimidation, and fear-mongering. Yeah. Of like, what? What do you got? Uh, of like, no, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to bow down to that ridiculous tyranny. 
uh, freeze my bank account, shut me down, do whatever you want of like, I can still eat. Now I don't have to choose between a principled stand and feeding my family. All of a sudden they can uh, enslave me by locking me out of bank accounts or uh, I lose my job or something else like that. No, the freer I become, the more able I am to protect and provide my family while having a principled stand in the public arena for freedom's cause. Uh, so that was part of it. And I felt like, okay, homesteads allow you to be more, the, the most free you can be. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to go down that route. And I thought, if I have cows, you can't get food anywhere. You just butcher a cow once a year and food's good. And yeah. then chickens will take care of breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got breakfast. Uh, yeah. I got eggs and, and beef. I'm good. And then we grow some <laughs> stuff in the garden. Try to grow things. <laughs> Yeah. So I wanted some big animals. What do what do you guys? So how do you guys? We 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 started getting into the homesteading culture first, just by kind of watching it, YouTube things like that, um, and then all of a sudden, I mean, we'd always had a garden, um, and we'd yeah. done pigs before, not not anything big. We'd had a couple of pigs, and we'd had chickens kind of off and on, and then. 2020 kind of kicked us off to where it's like, okay, we, we already kind of enjoyed doing this. Maybe, maybe it's time to actually like ramp this up a little bit. And, and the first thing I fell in love with homesteading was not the, it, it, it wasn't the prepper side of it. Um, it, it wasn't the absolute, you know, dream to one day have a bunch of livestock. It was none of that. Um, I actually fell in love with the kind of the culture and the people, um, associated with it. It was this idea yeah. that, gosh, I, I had, I had, I had never met a community where so many people other than like within our, our church life group and stuff like that, I'd right. never met a, a group of complete strangers that were so interested in helping you become successful and so willing to share their own successes, their own failures and right. rejoiced with you when, when you got it right and encouraged you when you got it wrong. Like I, I, I joke about this all the time. When I go to the Homesteaders of America conference, that's actually a rejuvenating experience for me because right. of how kind people are um, and, and how, and how much they want you to succeed. And it's just really encouraging to be around as you guys got into this. How do you guys break up? Like, do you have things within like the, the homestead or whatnot that are, your response, John's responsibilities versus, you know, Rebecca's responsibilities. Do you guys, do you guys break it down that way? Absolutely. So I'm the chicken and alpaca person and the gardening. So kind of have all that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a big animal guy. Uh, we've got power. horses and cows. And so that's mine. And generally if a fence goes down, I'm fixing that or uh, I got to give alpacas shots yeah. once a month. That's zero fun. Mm -hmm. The chickens <laughs> you are great. Your fun. own alpaca. I hear that's we really hard. Okay. Uh, he's he tried it one year. He did pull it off. I was successful, but at great cost. <laughs> it, I mean, they're like screaming banshees and they spitting and kicking, and so we're like, let's just hire some, a professional <laughs> it, it, the next year. So dramatic. It's very it's dramatic. So, yeah, just yeah, they're hilarious. It's Do you screaming. You would the think. Fiber? Yeah, we've got the fiber. I've got to send that off. Actually, at the Homestead Convention, I finally found a contact with a mill that I can just ship it all to, and they'll ship me a finished product because oh, I did just oh, nice. have a lady who wanted me to learn the all the skills and do it all myself, and I'm like, I don't have that much time. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's another thing too. When we talk about resilience, um, the reason why I think the community and, and again, you said it, it's the community I want to be a part of first and foremost, it's the worldview. Like, do we have a shared worldview? Um, and then the second secondary condition is like, you know, okay, what, what sort of skills are, because my goal is not to be able to do everything myself. I, I don't, I don't think that's realistic. I want to be able to do the basics to where my family isn't going hungry. Right. Um, but I want to find other people that are really good at what they do. And I want to find how my skills are complementary to their skills. I, I right. still want that kind of community and that kind of economy, but it is, it, it, I mean, I, you said it, it starts with finding the people that actually have a shared worldview because I can go out right now and find an economy where there's people that have skill sets that are, are very valuable, but I'm, I'm increasingly finding, you know, a, a political scenario and even a cultural scenario where if I don't believe what they want me to believe and I don't say what they want me to say, well, then they'll cut that off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I feel like I do have a responsibility as a husband, as a father to make sure that not only do I develop the appropriate skills to make sure they don't go hungry, but to also find and help build that sort of community that I want my family to be a part of, that I want my kids to grow up around. Um, I know lately we've been talking a lot about the whole idea of, you know, the whole, the family compound, right? And it's, hmm. it's not the idea where, you know, we, we own everything and then we just let the, no, it's, it's, we want to have enough property to where we can tell our kids, look, we're not telling you what you got to do. We're not telling you you got to be a part of this. But if you want, we want there to be an option where that's your 20 acres over there and, yeah. and yeah. we're going to help build the stuff. And we don't got to have, you know, four tractors. We only got to have, you know, one, you know, for yeah. that we can use. And we don't got to have, yeah. you know, four of this and four of that. We just got one or two that we, we can use. And gosh, when you guys need help, I want, no, I want nothing more than my grandkids to be able to walk across the, the field over to grandpa and grandma's house so you guys can go out and have date night. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest blessing is when we were kind of pitching this as just like an initial idea. Again, our oldest is 21. She's getting married in June. Um, awesome. our, our son's 18. And then our, our youngest daughter's uh, about to turn 16. All of them have been like, no, we're on board. We're, we're on board. This is something no. that we, we'd want to be a cool. part of. And, um, and yeah, now, now I just got to figure out how to make it all happen. <laughs> so I think there's a great amount of people that would hear what you just said. I'm like, all right, you, wait, you got land and then you got like other family members and other houses on it, like, like a commune, like a cult. Who are you crazy people? I mean, no, wait, pause, pause. No, it's not crazy. It's how all humanity has survived up until like the early 1900s. Yeah. And then we've forgotten and we've crushed ourselves into these little cities and we've moved all over the world so that we're estranged from any type of long lasting community and economies of scale that would come with that. Yeah. And now it's just you and your bride against the world uh, until that fails, you know, if it fails. And you've got no support structure of most folks don't live near family that's, you know, and you're helping each other out. And that, that that's, that's really an antiquated kind of thing. And I think people would be tempted to look at what we're saying as some kind of radical fringe, you know, commune cultish thing. I'm like, no, it's all human history yeah. Yeah. until the very, very recent present. Yeah. And so it's like education. We, we all think of just, oh yeah, you, 
You, you get your kids and as early as humanly possible in pre pre kindergarten, you ship them off the government yeah. to, to educate yeah. and you hope that goes well and it has not gone well. And still we're like, maybe we should keep giving them to the government. We got yeah. a good school. We got a good school. No, you don't. Yeah. Your school sucks. It's a government school. Yeah. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Even before all the woke gender, crazy sexuality stuff. I'm the millennial generation, the oldest of millennials. And guess what? The millennials went woke. They abandoned all the values of their parents, went off. And I mean, we're crazy. Uh, my, my generation is a lost generation. And it happened under my parents' noses. And they had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Now, folks have an idea what's going on. But I'm like, even before, we, it wasn't nearly as bad as it is now. Yeah. But it was still enough to have us all go woke crazy and abandon all their values now it's just so wildly awful yeah that no one could ignore it but you could back it down a few degrees and it could still be enough to completely torpedo all of the good pieces of the ideologies of the past everything we've learned in human history uh that was good is now labeled as fringe faux pas outdated uh and stupid yeah. Well, we, we've, the more Tina and I have talked about this, the more we've looked at it as not just something we want to do, but we almost feel, if not a calling, at least a, a responsibility because people will, especially if, especially if, if a culture is behind it, people will latch on to a, a convenient lie and write it all the way to their own demise. Mm-hmm. But, but at some point, at some point, the crisis happens, right? And, and yeah. sometimes it happens young, sometimes it happens later on in life, but at some point the crisis happens. And the, and the question becomes is like, okay, well, what I I'm tired of, I'm tired of listening to the experts. I'm tired of listening to the politicians. I'm tired of listening to the talking heads. What actually works? And then that's when people start looking around for people in their lives, for acquaintances, for somebody that's talking about something that seems to make sense, not yeah. because the experts say it or the latest study approves of it or, or because Congress passed a bill, but because they're looking at the fruit of someone's life and saying, yeah. there is something about that that is different. Why isn't this yeah. person, why isn't this person doing what all the experts tell them to do? And why does it seem to be working? And we, we've seen this, like, I think the biggest, I, and, and, I, and I want you to talk about this even more than I do, but homeschooling really was the start of that for us. Hmm. where it, it was, without even knowing it, we realized that we were part of a much larger social experiment that was going on <laughs> when we had people that were, were like-minded, we had people that shared worldviews, and, and really the only practical difference was is we were homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And, and the, because there's this narrative now that I see all the time where people going, well, of course your kids are going to do this. And of course you, you really don't think your kids are, are running around behind your back and, you know, whatever, having inappropriate physical relationships. You, you really don't think they're, ha- they're doing all this stuff. You really think that and I was like, yes, I really think my kids are not doing that. Yeah. Um, and, and they look at me like I'm naive and then they meet my kids and it's like, well, yeah. they, they, they're not, I thought they'd be really weird, socially awkward, homeschoolers and and I'm looking at it going, well, no, that not at all. And, and yes, they're, they're adjusting and yes, they can have a conversation with an adult or they can have a conversation with a four-year-old or they can have a conversation with someone their own age. But for me, that was the biggest eye opening moment that once I, once I took that part of my life back from government, Hmm. you don't get this. 
right? This belong, right. this, this part, this, um, thing with our children, this relationship with our children, the education of our children, it doesn't belong to the government. It doesn't belong to society. It doesn't belong to anything else they use. Now that belongs to, to us. And we're, we're going to take ownership over it. And it was difficult. It would have, yeah, it would have been easier if we would have had two incomes during that time. Yeah. But I look back now, now that I'm at the, 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 the end of this, and I look at the relationship that we have with our kids and there's a thousand things I can look back at. We did in homeschool and going, gosh, I wish we would have done this differently. I wish yeah, we sure. had done oh, yeah. this, hadn't done that. But I don't care because I look at what is happening within government run schools. Yeah. And that has been the, that's been the biggest eye opening moment for me. Yeah. When, when we went to the homesteading convention this last uh, time around, I was talking to a lot of folks. It seemed like a lot of people homeschool. And it's really interesting because it seems to me, and I don't know if you guys have this kind of an experience too or not, but it seems like those of us who homeschooled, um, the teen years almost seem like the easiest years to me. Uh, I feel like the teens have overwhelmingly been easier than any other phase. Mm. And, um, but all, all the people I know who did not homeschool, they feel like the teens were the absolute worst. And, have you now how old are your kids are you guys yeah we're that, not there yet not we're, we're not we're, there we're, we're closing in on teen years we're yeah. very close but we're not there ours are nine and 11 but i will say just from observing my close friends whose kids are public school and whose are homeschool i'm watching and i'm seeing fruit and uh you know some will tell me well just wait till your kids are teenagers exactly what they were telling you nick and then i'm yeah. seeing my other friends their kids aren't behaving that way at all um no. so yeah I'm observing. <laughs> and and that all kind of that all kind of moves into this whole idea of, you know, the work that obviously you guys do that, you know, John, you do with Warrior Poet Society that that we've been doing with making the argument and some of the other work. Um I I just feel like this this drive more and more. Um in fact we did a whole episode on this a, a while back and then it was a large part of the interview that you and I did a while back on and and at that point it was what does it mean to be a good man? Like yeah. within the biblical worldview, like I, I know what I know what Tate says is a good man, and and there's 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 I mean to be fair, there's a lot of things that Andrew Tate says where I'll say yes, I agree with that. You of you course. should be physically yeah. capable. You should be intellectually capable. You you yes, I agree with that. Um, and then I'll, I'll look at other people that I'll look at people that I admire that I don't necessarily agree with on all things. Jordan Peterson's a perfect example of that. I think so much of what Jordan Peterson talks about has been a breath of fresh air in an otherwise insane world. Um, but I, I do want to see, I do want to see more content pushing back against the cultural narrative. It's one of the reasons why I was so impressed when I, you know, read warrior poets society or the warrior um, poet way. Yeah. The warrior poet way. When I, when I read that book, when I heard you speak, um, and, you know, and, and the other people would meet people like Matt Boudreaux, right. um, you know, people like Joel Salatin where it's, I, I feel like there is this, there's this, um, you know, congregation forming, uh, of like-minded people, you know, on, on social media and, and yeah. using the various platforms available to be able to kind of have this, this push back against, um, you know, those elements of the manosphere, which are ultimately counterproductive to what the, the purpose needs to be. Yeah. And, and the, the one thing that, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have both of you on for this is that I remember for a while we were all talking here. It's like, we need to have a men's conference. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I don't disagree with that. 
I want to see family conferences. That's good. I like that. Right. Yeah. I, I want to see the I want to see the sort of event where you go as a family. And yeah, there's there's certain things for men and there's certain things for women and there's certain things for the kids. And there's certain things that are skill oriented. And then there's certain things that are just good general knowledge that any you know good human being should know, whatever it is. But then I also want there to be that that coming together, right, through that process where you are you are building and developing as a family because that is the the fundamental element of community. It starts with that family. It, mm-hmm. Broader community yeah. is very difficult to have apart from strong community within the family. Yeah. And I, I'm curious as, you know, obviously, well, actually, I got to, this is a question I think Tina wanted to ask too, but like, John, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're a fairly extroverted kind of guy. My energy I get from being alone, which makes me <laughs> introverted, but I'm pretty good with people and I like people, Yeah. but I'm technically an introvert, but like people, good with people. Okay. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm an extrovert. There's no question. And I, I tend to be the introvert in this relationship. And okay. I was going to say, if you guys, it, speaking of conferences, uh, I, I'm very, very guilty of of really despising women's conferences. I don't go to, I hate, I hate it when the women's conferences come up and they're like, Tina, do you want to go? And I'm like, I really don't. I don't want to go. Um, yeah. Now, sometimes they'll get me to go and then I, I have fun when I go and it's, it's good, but I never want to go back. But, Why is that? Um, Cause I, I just, I feel like it's just a lot of fluff, you know, and it's, it's women, yeah getting together and, and boohooing about all the women things. And I don't want to do that. You know, I, I want to do things that are productive and I don't know, it just isn't my thing. (laughs) So I do graciously disappointed in our husbands together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is a question because a lot of times I I do think that in the past, um, the church has kind of dropped the ball on masculinity and, um, and there, there was sort of this, softer, more feely thing that permeated through the church. And you got a lot of these men that were just sort of like almost hippie-esque, you know, Christians that like daddy God. And I don't know. The skinny skinny jean wearing youth pastor. Right. And and they sing (laughs) songs about God like he's your boyfriend or something. And um, it just felt to me like, like, where are the men in the church. Yeah. They're not mm-hmm. masculine. It's almost like you couldn't be masculine in the church. Uh, you right. couldn't be a warrior in the church. And um, I felt I feel like a lot of women sort of stepped up and took more leadership because of that. Women would initiate prayer. Women would initiate things um, along those lines. And a lot of times it was the women dragging the husbands to church and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And now the guy would say he's a Christian and the whole deal, but it didn't seem like he was leading Um, and, and I, that was one of the reasons why I was asking, you know, it it seems like I'm seeing men come out of the woodwork, um, who feel a calling to pull men back into the protector and the warrior, um, man of God. And so what basically could you walk us through both from both of your perspectives how this happened? Because you're one, you guys are one of the people that we see coming forward to provide that. And so, what was sort of the catalyst for you guys? You want to tell you, babe? 
That's uh, what well, you said. Both. So <laughs> she did, but you're I think first. we're both in the. <laughs> um, I just say um, your read uh, is a pretty darn good one. <laughs> I think men have abdicated their leadership responsibility spiritually, and that super sucks. And that's not okay because it turns out that Christianity. Really, I mean, there's some gritty, long-suffering masculinity needed there. Of like, hey, show yourself a man. Of like, this, this is. Uh, you know, the early movement was created by men that Jesus chose. Here's 12 men and some of them construction workers and fishermen, and they're kind of living off the land and then they get persecuted and then they get beat with an inch of their lives and then intimidated and arrested by government and said, don't speak anymore. And they're like, yeah, pound sand, we're going to do what we want. And then they keep talking about Jesus and they get beat up some more. And ultimately they're tortured and killed. And I'm like, whoa, these guys, <laughs> these guys are lions. And I'm like, yeah, that it's the, it's the old Jesus stuff, but it's been flowered down, uh, by, you know, just, I don't know, just, uh, Men are just vacant uh, from the church. And uh, I think one is we have lost sight of the bold and offensive gospel. Uh, We've watered down a truth. And dudes look at this watered down, fluffy thing and like, "Uh, that doesn't look real. That doesn't look raw. That doesn't look anything uh, approaching what I need and and what I'm lacking. And so part of that's uh, messaging. And the other thing is, is, um, if the lead pastor is a spineless coward, you have no hope of actually having men follow him. Strong men don't follow weak men, yeah. ever. Strong men don't follow weak men. Uh, and so if you got a strong lion who will say truth from the pulpit, and people are always loving him and or hating him. That's the mark of what do people say about him? Does everyone think he's a good guy? He's certainly not a pastor. He's nothing like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. If everyone likes the pastor, he's nothing like Jesus. Right. Uh, you know, people should absolutely love him. And then the other people, they want to kill him. They hate him. Right. <laughs> so that's the mark of whether you actually have an authentic Christian in front of them. Uh, people hate them without reason, and then people love them too. Uh, and so it, it's, as Mark Driscoll say, he's a one in five star review kind of guy. Uh, and I'm like, man, that, that, that was Jesus. He was a one in five star reviews. Yeah. There was no two, three and four stars yeah. for Jesus. Yeah. And so, um, part of it is, it, it's just like in politics, uh, we got too many people who took the suitcase of money and that whether it's Republican or Democrat, they're a bunch of crooks and liars, uh, a bunch of weak men. And I, I don't mean like not powerful I mean, weak is in virtue. Mm-hmm. Uh, spineless men uh, occupy our most sacred halls of government, and so they do with the church. But if you can find a church that's led by a lion, dude, that, you're going to find a whole host of strong, masculine, and good men there. Uh, and because they're displaced, they want to find a place to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... they don't want to follow some declawed, defanged, effete minister up there of like, no thanks, man. Uh, I want something real. I want something raw. And though it be risky and cost me everything, that's the way I'm going. And I will follow that man to the brink. That pe- People are ready to follow courage again. And uh, we need most of our pastors uh, to quit and step aside. And we need uh, men of God to stand up and start speaking truth and refusing to self-censor. Dust off your Bible and have the 
stones to actually tell the people what it's really saying. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like you could see, I, I feel like you can see what the Holy Spirit's about to do or what he's working on because, uh, Here's an interesting example. The army just came out with another be all you can be with men actually paratrooping out of airplanes. And it looks just like they're going to go kick some butt. And, uh, and I feel like in the church, you have strong men starting to come forward again. And this hunger for the strong uh, protector warrior, you know, vigilant, you know, watchmen um coming forward in in the church and it's it's interesting because you can see it's sort of this parallel shift because a few years back uh the army commercial was all about this gal who had mental health issues <laughs> and she had two moms and i'm i'm in the army with mental health issues yeah. and it was insanely embarrassing and you could tell that the army was completely unserious about their mission at that point. You could yeah. tell we didn't plan on going to any wars or anything like that. The minute the army came out with these uh <laughs> Dudes manly commercials again, I'm going, We're we're probably going to war. I think we might be going <laughs> oh, to war. And I look read. at this and go, I could kind of see it in the church where it was like we had a lot of real weak people who were just they were asleep at the wheel. And now you got these strong folks coming forward, and I'm like, man, are we preparing for battle here? Yeah, are we yeah, going to go be going to war? You know, and maybe, and maybe the final one. Who knows? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and to to that point, because I, I think I, I feel I feel very confident on what my roles and responsibilities are in that environment. And this is something Tina and I have talked about a lot. What what because feminism has laid out, and 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 Becky, you talked about this. Feminism has laid out what they think the role of women is. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is? I think it's the helper. Um, it truly is finding your role as not trying to um, outperform or uh, stand in front of your spouse or your husband in any way. It's coming alongside and, and sometimes even assisting from behind the scenes. Um, and it has been the most fulfilling thing for me personally. Um, yeah, I did get that college degree. I did have my own business. I did several jobs where I traveled. It was very fun. And then once I had kids and I was more home centered, I mean, that was just really my jam mm -hmm. and it has been ever since. So I was, uh, raised with the, you know, go out, do the career and, uh, you can get a man later after you have your master's degree, you've lived on your own a few years. And I never stuck to that plan. I, I was surely a disappointment, <laughs> <laughs> but now, um, yeah, I think it's all come full circle that, uh, yeah, for me, like he was saying, the dream is the, the wife and kids for me, it's home and family. Like just this morning was kind of a surreal moment. We had a fire going because it's freezing in Georgia. I mean, it was 23 this morning, oh, which wow. is wild. Um, had the fire, we were reading history with the boys and it was just kind of a slow homeschool morning and it was just perfect. And I wish everyone could experience that. Um, it was just awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. that was just such a blessing to be able to have the freedom to be at home with my family, to instruct them, to decide what they learn, to raise up my boys, um, in a godly environment and, uh, yeah, to be the mom and the wife in a home that they're looking to me, but also to John as the leader, uh, for their future masculinity. And yeah. Um, 
I just love that. So you're not so bad yourself. (laughs) 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 Well, let let me, let me ask you this because where do you, where do you guys see yourselves going um, really as, as a team um, when it comes to being set apart? Cause I, 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 I always, I always go back to this idea where I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a black pill guy. I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm, 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 I'm none of that, but I do think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, mm. yeah. I, I don't see any way around that. We are going to spend some time in the wilderness um, yeah. and, and the only question is going to be is that when, when we're going through that, when our country um, is going through that time of crisis, what alternatives to, to the things that have failed people, what alternatives to the things that have failed people are going to present themselves? What do you guys see y- your role um, a- as part of that? As, let's say as part of the, maybe the remnant. What, what do you see as, as your role as our, our country kind of continues to hurdle toward, um, I think, kind of a, a dark place, maybe a, a dangerous place? Um, what, do you guys, what do you guys see as your role in, in combating What do you mean that? by the, when things fail? What, what, what type of things are you imagining? I, I think, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a zombie apocalypse guy. So I, I just I want to know how—, how how bad is it if like, you know, if like no one's got any shoes and no, it's like no, no. I'm, I'm not, always I'm not ash raining from the sky. It's a dystopian future. And yeah. You've, how seen, the right book of, you've seen the how, book of Eli, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. How book of Eli are yeah. we? We're, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go not book of Eli. Right. But okay. just, just, uh, I mean, let me, let me put up what I think would be a, a, a realistic scenario. Um, I think we are moving to a point where I could I could very easily see uh, a federal government which stacks the Supreme Court, um, yeah. which all three branches are now very very dedicated toward a particular worldview where you you will be punished um, if you say certain things if you believe certain things. Um, I, I could see in an environment where you know inflation and a sovereign debt crisis. I don't think those things are are ridiculous to consider. Um, where it makes it very difficult to engage in in commerce in, in the way that we're accustomed to right now, um, where you know you, you have an education system which is you know pumping out people with a lot of a lot of degrees, uh, but not a lot of capability, not a lot of skill sets, uh, but a lot of power and influence over that very same government apparatus that that says that people that believe the things that we believe um, are a threat to democracy. We'll put it that way in the, in the common vernacular. Um, and so now all of a sudden you do find yourself in a situation where more and more people are saying, I, I need to pull my kids out of school or I, I need to find an alternative to my job because I, I can't do this. And, and I don't know where to go and I don't know where to turn to. And they're going to be looking for alternatives. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be looking for people that have already kind of gone through this path or anticipated that it was coming. Okay. Um, Got it. So that's what I'm talking about. Got it. I think if you are... If your institutions of power have been hijacked by an antithetical worldview and you are dependent upon those institutions of power, you can also be enslaved immediately and pathetically easily by those institutions of power. So if you would like to be able to preserve your way of life or your ability to mm, eat, you're going to have to take some freedom back. And so that means, I mean, I'm I'm doing the things of it's self-sufficiency. And it's uh, not allowing government to educate my children. Mm. Uh, and there are certain freedoms that 
uh, are enshrined in my constitution. And I'm, I'm not giving that up. I'm, I'm not going to self-censor. I'm not going to give up meeting together, you know, of like freedom of assembly. I have those rights. I'm never giving up my guns. I'm just not. Um, and so uh, there'll come a cost for all of that. Now, the more free I am, uh, the more, the, the longer I buy myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, just try and have time to raise up my kids and enjoy and be grateful for what we have while we have it. Mm-hmm. And I would like to be able to strengthen whatever remnant we have that sees the way we do uh, so that they would not be enslaved by the institutions of power as well. Uh, it, it's going to, where do you want your pain? Do you want it awful pain later or some pain now? Yeah. Those are your options. So for instance, with kids, we really wanted to homeschool our kids because we saw what was happening years and years ago um, when our kids, were, when we were right on the a precipice of sending them to you know private or a government school or homeschool was just not on our radar. We didn't grow up with that. We didn't like that. Nobody in our family had done that. No one in our family really liked it. This was not good. And we, we were not wealthy. Uh, Becca was supposed to be my sugar mama. She was supposed failed. to go out and earn. And you failed, failed me. You yeah. failed me. Feminism Some would be so disappointing. You turned out to yeah, be. very disappointing. Lousy feminist here wasn't bringing home the bacon. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I, I, I just, um, yeah, we just didn't make enough so that we could do single income and she could homeschool our kids. We just didn't make enough. Uh, and not to live like most Americans did. Yeah. And so we did something that was quite radical. We moved out. This is, we're a family now. We, there's, we got two kids and we're married and we have been for a long time at this point. And we decided we will move out of our uh, three bed or four bed, three bath house. And we moved into a little apartment mm-hmm. living on top of each other, you know, of like, like it was a motel and it was nicer than that, but it, it's, it's a little apartment building yeah. you know living stacked on top remember our neighbors mm-hmm. why they mm-hmm. were always up at 3 a.m dancing on the ceiling strange it was strange they yeah. had just weird weird sleep anyway they but were we at, made those sacrifices we did and so we yeah. cut income in a, a, a real weird way i know all the families looked at us like we were crazy but it enabled becca to homeschool our kids mm-hmm. yeah. uh and still we went into debt um, and so we made sacrifices and we had to really work and budget, uh, to be able to get out of that. Uh, that was not easy. And that was, that was sacrifice there. Um, and so a lot of folks are still spending and living a life style that, that is bigger. Now I know you're like, Whoa, I can already not, not pay my bills. I'm like, think about how to reduce your bills yeah. uh, as well. And, and that, that's a good thing. And some folks have done all that they can, um, or maybe they think that they have, but they really haven't. Uh, you, you could still do more uh, because we take a lot of our luxury items for granted. Like those are necessities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're like, well, let's start food, you know, water, shelter. Yeah. You know, like you could, you could really dial down a food budget. Maybe you accidentally, and you don't even know this, you spend $2,200 a month on food for your family of five. Yeah. Uh, maybe. You could get down a thousand bucks less than that if you were really smart and you planned well. Yeah. Uh, you do not eat out in restaurants anymore. That is not available. Yeah. You, you can cut, but Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. In, awesome. Anyway, of like there is there is all kinds of ways to budget in something so that you can plan for some 
a little bit more financial freedom and figure out a way to get some land somewhere yeah. or, or go in with some other families that really, mm. you got to really make sure you where have some similar worldview, but get some land and start developing in other areas. And if you can't do any of that, develop some really good, important skill so that homesteading people really need your skill. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and if you can make yourself valuable to people with land, people will, with land will always make sure you got you got a seat at their table. Uh, they will fall all over themselves to get you. Uh, and so that hopefully there's something in there that could be good advice. But Beck and I would really just like to be um, a voice for folks out there who are upset with the way things are going and they want to know, Hey, how do we do marriage? Good. How do we make sure that that most important thing is good? How do we do faith? Well, um, how, how do we do raising kids? Well, uh, how do we take care of stewarding what resources the Lord has given us? How do we do that? Well, in this present darkness as we're careening toward mm. a totalitarian Leviathan. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I think it's really important that you start right now regaining some self-sufficiency, autonomy, enjoy apart from all of our institutions. Mm. You make parallel institutions. You do your own thing and you, you batten up the hatches and you go self-sufficiency again. And so we want to be able to walk people toward that. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, shoot, I think that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really, I really, you know, wanted to you know, Becca's opinion, but John, yours is good too. That was great. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the sacrifice because homeschooling, all of this stuff, homeschooling, marriage, homesteading, all of this requires sacrifice on both mm -hmm. people's, you know, uh, behalf. And I think sometimes people want what they want, but they want it without the sacrifice. And right. yeah. I hear people a lot of times saying, well, what about, you know, I can't homeschool. We yeah. can't, that's not an option for us. Yeah. And, um, and I never said it was going to be easy. It's a sacrifice. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if we wanted a lot more things, I could go to work and bring in more stuff, it, it, but yeah. stuff isn't the point. It's, it's right. our family, it's our kids, it's, um, it's the future. And so I think if, if you can sacrifice now, you're doing yourself a favor later and yeah. you'll right. reap the benefits on the other end. And I, I feel That's like good. on the other at, at the tail end of homeschooling, we're seeing those benefits. There were times I wanted to rip my hair out. <laughs> yeah. I, mm -hmm. I sometimes I was like, what am I even doing? Cause we didn't expect to homeschool either. We always thought homeschoolers were weird, but <laughs> mm -hmm. in reality, homeschoolers are only weird if the parents are weird. That's it. And that's, that's it. what I tell people. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. my theory too. Yeah. And so yeah. It, to me, I just. So how do you keep your kids away from me? <laughs> how do, how do, <laughs> Well, we're quirky. It, it, but. Used to, it used to be they just sent me to war every couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, but you're right. People say, oh, I could never this or I could never do that that you're doing. Well, I thought the same thing at one point and I just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> or you yeah. fake it till you make it. You learn. You surround yourself with mentors, with people, uh, whether it's homeschooling or homesteading or even homemaking, people who are down the road further than you. And you That's figure good. out what they do. You look to them. You ask them questions. And then before you know it, you're doing it. And but. here's the safety net. No matter how bad you did as a homeschool parent, you cannot possibly do 
e- even a microcosm as bad as the government school mm-hmm. is doing. You it cannot is. do it. You, you, if, you, you have to really war game out how to crush and ruin your kids yeah. if you wanted to compete what's happening in government right. schools. Flatten their spirit so, yeah, um, from it, such yeah. a, a young age. I will mention quickly, we do harp on something I like to call Save the Boys, where they start at such a young age for young boys, um, even as early as four or five years old in kindergarten, first grade, where they can't sit still all day because yeah. they're not designed to. Soon enough, they're on medications. The light goes out in their eyes, yeah. and they're just flat. I mean, they're just, and then they're in that um, school environment for another 10, 11 years. And then the product of that is someone who doesn't make their own decisions. They don't initiate. They don't have, I don't know, a a sense of responsibility. They have no drive. They're addicted to the video games, maybe, or substances or whatever. So um, yeah, I, I do think homeschool is especially important if you have boys. Oh, yeah. um, get them out. You you may say, well, my girls do okay. Well, maybe so. They're still being poisoned in their mm-hmm. mind, but uh, they might can physically sit there all day. The boys can't. No. They can't. Yeah, the boys are They're treated like defective to. girls. I remember hearing that. I think Prager, you put out a video yeah. saying, you know, boys have been treated like defective girls. And I thought that yes. could not be more true. That is yes. absolutely the truth. Well, Matt Walsh says boyhood is not a disease yeah. yes. so it doesn't need to be treated like a disease yeah yes well i, I think it, it's interesting whenever we talk about the, the the sacrificial component and i think sometimes when people hear sacrifice they think okay well yeah i'm just gonna i gotta you know gird myself for the fact that this is just going to be horrible but i gotta push through it because it's better it's like no the, the toughest part is actually deciding to do it, it it's to walk away it in, in, in a in a well in a in a fairly wealthy, safe, secure country like the United States, the slave master shows up first as convenience and mm-hmm. only later shows up as coercion. Hmm. And that's what we have right now is we people are looking at like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. It's like you right. think that because you think yeah. the convenience of it is worth more than what you will than the benefit. This is a mm-hmm. cost benefit analysis for you. And convenience has now been elevated to to a much higher level. The moment you do it, yes, there's going to be moments where you think, oh, my gosh, what the heck am I doing? This, this sucks. But you, you end up learning over time with all that time you get back with your child. Yeah. And it's not just with homeschooling. It's within so many other areas. You, you end up learning that the, the thing that you thought you were sacrificing uh, was an illusion to what you were actually benefiting. The, the benefit that you actually That's receive good. from doing it in, in the nature of the relationship that you've got and the quality of education that they receive. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I, I always like to stress on is that, yes, there's sacrifice involved because you've got to depart from what you've been told was the way mm-hmm. to do this, or you've got to depart at least momentarily from the convenience of it. But when all of a sudden I don't have to worry about my teenage girls going out and getting pregnant at 15, when yeah. I don't have to worry uh, about, you know, um, my daughter's having major issues at school because of, of the absolute incessant bullying that takes place yes, when I don't anxiety. have to worry about my son um, ha- having the absolute, you know, the desire to learn medicated out of him, right. you know, in elementary school, when I don't have to deal with any of that. And all of a sudden I'm looking at my teenage kids who I'm like, I want to be friends with these people. That's right. That's right. right. I, I'm sorry, but there's nothing I, I can look back at that now and say there is nothing you could have enticed me with 
There's yeah. no convenience you could have enticed me with that would have been worth what I am seeing right now. And honestly, worth what I saw in the moment as it was actually taking place. That's great. And, awesome and yeah. that, so yes, is there sacrifice? Absolutely. But I think you're going to, I think people realize very, very quickly that whatever they had to ha sacrifice was not even close to, to worth what they gained by actually choosing to do it. And, and there is an entire culture right now that is trying to scare people that they are either incapable or unworthy mm -hmm. or that they're going to miss out on something mm -hmm. that is truly superficial or, or, yeah. or materialistic. Um, and, and really what they're doing is they're hiding what is something that is so much greater um, than, than, than what they're being enticed with in order to give it up. And so, yeah, I, I, I know that's one of the things that, that we, we talk about a lot is trying to get people to understand that, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to walk across broken glass for the sacrifice of the, for the nobility of walking across broken glass. No, it's I, I give up something that I'm promising you is not worth, you know, what, what you're, you're sacrificing to hold on to it for something that is a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, I heard somebody once say that uh, comfort can be one of the most destructive addictions you can have. Hmm. And it's the idea that you're so addicted to comfort that you won't make yourself uncomfortable to do something good, you know, or to hmm. do something that would benefit your family or your community or, or your spouse, or, you know, you will not make yourself uncomfortable in order to do something good. And I, I think about that every time something does get hard, it's like, no, I, I can be uncomfortable here. I can say yeah. the uncomfortable thing. I'm going to speak yeah. the truth and be uncomfortable. And That's the one of that. the, sorry, go yeah. ahead. I, I, I love that. If like, yeah, it's not only you couldn't do good, it's that you can't be good without discomfort and suffering. Yeah. What forges character, but suffering. And if you refuse to suffer, you literally refuse to grow as an individual mm -hmm. uh, as well. Just to, you know, t take the, the, uh, Vehicle Easy. without an engine. Yeah. yeah. Metaphor farther there. Yeah. I came. I came up with that. That whole vehicle thing. That that, that was that you. Was That's yeah. amazing. No. I love that metaphor. The minute you, you said that, I thought idea. of the Flintstone car. I'm like, oh, they took yeah. the engine out, so now it's a Flintstone car, and they're running it on their own. Uh, on on well, their own. I, I've got I've got one more question that I have to ask, and then and then we'll finish it up because I really appreciate all the time that you you've given us today. This has, has been a. a pleasure to have this conversation. Um, I always tell people then this is, this is for, uh, this is for John, but then I want Becca to tell us the truth. Um, <laughs> I always tell people cause it, you know, again, I, I, um, with, with being in politics and being in the legislature and then, um, you know, working on, on the podcast and social media and whatnot, people sometimes will be like, well, Nick, you know, you're kind of a, you can be kind of a firebrand about some of this stuff. And sometimes you say stuff that, that really upsets people and, and whatnot. And, and then they meet Tina and they're like, oh, he, he's the docile one. <laughs> he's, she's not holding him back from saying something more controversial. He's yeah. holding her back from saying something more controversial. So when it comes to, when it comes to just like laying out the hard truth that could potentially make everyone in the room go, is that you? Or is that Becca? I think it depends on what the subject is. Okay. Like Becca, Becca can be just sweet hostess, loving everyone at a company party uh, over at my house yesterday. And she was just Susie Homemaker, just flourishing. She was loving it. She was just, she saw all of us grown men as mother hens and she just brought us all in and, and loved us. And it was beautiful. 
And then other times she is a dragon, just a dragon lady. It's uh, <laughs> like, bro, run, run. <laughs> like the kids just run out of like, what's wrong? Mom's in a bad mood. She's upset about something. No, uh, just teasing. I do have a mama bear shirt. She has yeah. a mama bear. If you want to but... see it the worst, attack me personally. And you will see her just, I mean, she is ready to go to war. Somebody <laughs> a, a, attacks me. Yeah. I can take it. I'll be like, whoa, whoa, let's have a conversation. Let's let's make an argument here. Okay, you you hate my fate. No, but she's like, whoa, you know, she's <laughs> she is that's she wants blood. Yeah, so she is she she is big time defensive over me. All right, Becca, is that the deal? Yeah, but you're you're the truth sayer. I, I am the firebrand. He fire brand. is the debater, the firebrander, the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had Tina actually ran for office. Um, Tina also ran for office a while back. Oh, wow. Awesome. And that that was the part where everyone... And I was really oh, happy. Oh, I lost miserably, though, so... No, she actually Congratulations. fought, in a, she actually fought <laughs> wow. in a really hard Republican primary challenging somebody that needed to be... Desperately needed to be challenged. And we knew she knew it was a long shot, but it had to be done. And, and the issue of life came up, and she's like, nope. We're, we're not tolerating we're not tolerating somebody that says they're pro-life that compromises on this mm-hmm. and and I loved it because initially she was like I, I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna I don't know how I'm gonna be standing up there speaking in front of people I don't know how you know she, she's always, I've always been happy to support you in this but now I'm gonna have to and I, and I knew I knew I'm like babe as soon as you get out there and you get into your groove you're gonna be really good at this and, and people are going to realize that you can you can debate all of this. You can go toe to toe with your your critics, and you can go toe to. And then all of a sudden, it was this role reversal. Well, now, like I'm used to being out front and people attacking me, and and her, her basically ready to go on Twitter and be like, "Babe, just maybe we let this one fly before you tell them what you really think of them." <laughs> um, awesome. But then I saw the role reversal. Well, all of a sudden, my wife was getting attacked, and it was like, "Oh, okay, I guess we're gonna fight." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. It was great. It was, yeah. She it flourished was in an environment she didn't think she would I, flourish I knocked a hundred doors a day for literally a hundred doors a day for three months. Yeah. And, wow. um, I was exhausted by the end of it, but it was actually really fun because you got to talk to people at the door and mm-hmm. hear what, you know, hear how many people really were more like-minded than you realized they were. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was very rewarding in some areas, but, um, I was going up against somebody that was, um, sending out mailers to Democrats telling them to vote in our primary and things like that. So mm. it was, it wasn't quite a fair fight, but he was pretty Look, much when the, it, when a 24 year incumbent has to drop half a million dollars to beat a primary challenger that, that says that she was doing well, but wow. <laughs> it, no big deal. But, yeah. but the, the point, the point is, is I tend to be the one that's a little less diplomatic. <laughs> I mean, I can actually Build bridges a little bit, but, <laughs> no, no. but, no. Uh, but you get me going on the feminism thing and the men and women yeah. face, and that's when I go. That's when I go. Yeah, Becca <laughs> will go nuts over adoption stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. adoption and abortion stuff. Becca mm-hmm. will hit the roof on. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We all very have cool. Our that's awesome, guys. Issues. Well, I think yeah. that's a good thing. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys both for being on, and and most importantly, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and 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 um, the example. Uh, that that I think you guys are are setting and and um, I, I know um, I know you guys are are humble people and and honestly I know you guys are a little bit uncomfortable with um, both with gratitude and, and praise like that but I, I will just tell you is um, you know it it is very encouraging 
And, and I, I don't think you guys are going to recognize in this lifetime the positive impact that both of you are having by embracing not only your, your skills and your capabilities, but the responsibility to go out there and speak truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. And as, as we go forward and, and hopefully as Tina and I get to, to play the role that we're trying to play, uh, I definitely uh, hope to be able to run into you guys more uh, as, as we do that because it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know both of you. And like I said, and, and uh, <laughs> especially for, from one vet to another and, and from a military family to uh, someone that's also had those experiences, uh, it's an honor to serve with you, um, honor to serve with you both. Um, and very appreciative that, that you guys are, are picking up the mantle and fighting the good fight. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. You guys today. are awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been great. Thanks Hope for to being. to see you guys again soon too. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more thing before we leave, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, type warrior poet in the internet <laughs> machine. No, I meant your home so, address. No I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, right, yeah, the warrior poet way. Come on over. Pizza yeah. party yeah. for the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah apparently Beck is a great host. So, yeah. yeah. So no, no, yeah. So the warrior poet way uh, is your book. Warrior Poets Society on, on YouTube. Also, where can they follow you on uh, Instagram? Or, is that everywhere? Instagram, John Level, uh, or where? Yeah, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and. Uh, yeah, it would, I really, I care about X now. It, okay. Twitter's like everything else is so censorious, but it's all Warrior Poets Society. On Twitter, I'm actually John Level 275, but everything else is Warrior Poets Society. Okay, well, listen, we're going to really encourage our audience. Go out there. Um, not only not only follow, subscribe, look at that stuff. And, and this is one of the things that's so important, right? Um, you know, John's not just out there. Becca's not just out there asking for stuff. No, they're, they're out there actually providing something. They're providing a service. They're providing a message. And so I would encourage you to go there, check that out, follow, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Uh, but also send them, send them words of encouragement, right? When, when, we, when we find people that are like-minded, that are out there, that are willing to, to take the fight, I'll tell you right now, I guarantee you, you can go into their direct messages and you can find, like if you could see their direct messages, you would find a lot of people that are not sending them, um, not everything is, is puppy dogs and, and lollipops. Yeah. Um, people send some pretty that, hateful stuff. People send some threats yeah. um, at times. So, uh, you know, take the time to go on there and, and encourage them in what they're doing and let them know that they're not alone and it's appreciated. Uh, because look, we, we needed, we need to hear that and, and people that are willing to fight need to hear that. Um, so once again, thank you guys very much for joining us and thank you all in our, uh, making the argument audience for joining us. Please go in and check out our, uh, our community chat as well. The description for that will be in there as well as the descriptions for where you can find, um, John and warrior poet society. But once again, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.